paper last week. It's in again today. Some organization that claims to go anywhere and do anything. It might be worth a try. We'd have to be honest with them, Matt. Where are they? In the West End. 33 Half Moon Street. Alston and Alistair McPhee were two businessmen who turned to profit a stretch of waste waterland on the River Lee between Freezy Water and Waltham Abbey, just north of London. The low-lying area had been dredged years before for building sand, and the result an excavation had filled with water seepage from the river. The hundred feet deep man-made lake was bought by the two speculators and turned into a holiday resort. They enjoyed considerable success until, well, let Alistair McPhee tell you as he told me in my office. You see, Mr. Mason, there's 50 acres of water there and quite safe for boating, bathing and fishing. It's stocked with pike and carp and has been crowded with visitors every weekend. Though that was until a young fellow with his girl in an outboard skiff lost his engine over the side. It was in water too deep for ordinary diving and so he got a skin-diving friend to go down for it. The friend didn't come up again, at least not for five hours. The police had arrived by then, but before they did anything, the lad's body floated to the surface. A tragic accident. Aye, that's what everyone thought. But the outboard motor was still at the bottom. The owner offered a small reward for its recovery, and another skin-diver chap, he tried his luck with the same result. Is there an undercurrent there? Or weeds or something? Weeds, aye, but not enough to make it dangerous. And it's still water fed by the River Lee. There can be no undercurrent. There's nowhere for the water to flow. I take the press had a heyday over the double tragedy. Naturally. And business fell off a little, but not so that we had to worry on Julia. However, my partner here and I thought it might be as well to have the bottom of the lake at this point thoroughly investigated. I was in the cable and maintenance service in the war, and I knew an experienced diver who was working for himself on the coast. His base was at Portsmouth, so I gave him a ring. Another skin diver? Uh, no, no, deep water equipment. I asked him to bring his diving suit, winch, and air pump. I knew I could rig it from a dinghy and operate it for him. I worked on the winches and the navy, you see. Well, he arrived and we began diving operations three days afterwards. He was linked to the dinghy by line, air hose and phone. His instructions were to report everything he found straight back to the boat. The day was perfect for it. Well, let's get you screwed down, Willie. Test the air. It's fine. Try the talkback phone. One, two, three. Receiving your clear, Mac. Check the line for fouling. Line coiled and checked. You're all set to go. Alston, give him a hand over the gunnel. Right. Give me a fathom count, Mac. Here I go. Here's the mark. One, two, three, four. What's visibility like? Clear as a bell. Yeah, I'll be in the headland at this rate. Hey, what's the mark? Eighteen and nineteen. I'm on the bottom. Check the line. Line checked. How's the air hose? Perfect. One hundred and fifteen feet. Give me a check on the bottom, Willie. Fair man of weed. Light silk with a hard undercrust. I'm walking north. Keep your eyes peeled for the outboard motor. Yeah, I am. Ground undulates badly. 
I'll have to climb up the sides just here. That's the dredgers, Willie. Get away if you stop. No, no, no. No, go away. Huh? Ah, go away! Oh, what is it, Willie? What is it? <laughs> the bottles! House on the bottles! His airline's been cut! Stop the winch! For heaven's sake, pull him up! We were too late, Mr. Mason. When we got him aboard, he was dead. What was it, Captain Lai? We don't know, but cut it was clean as a whistle. Well, there must have been an investigation, surely. Aye, there was. Death by misadventure was the verdict. You see, the dredges dug down to shale and slate, some of it sharp as a knife. To the inquest, there didn't seem any other explanation. As he was climbing over the trenches, they said his line must have fouled on an outjutting piece of slate, and that was that. You don't agree. The war's been over a long time, Mr. Mason, but I haven't lost my touch. His air hose was taut all the time. It wasn't slate that cut that line. Did you mention his cry just before it happened? Uh, I must confess, I didn't. Why on earth not? Oh, in the cold light of day and the sober atmosphere of the court, I just couldn't bring myself to see it. I had the feeling they'd have laughed at me. Are you sure you heard him scream? I've asked myself that a thousand times. I know he did. But even Alston here is skeptical, and I can't see I blame him. Anyway, the newspapers did the rest. Does death lurk in the deep? That was the headline, and that was the end of visitors to Merry Lake Holiday Resort. But it's an incredible story, Mr. McPhee. And you, I take it, want one of my men to dive to the bottom again to retrieve the lost outboard motor. Oh, no, that's not necessary. The morning following Wally's death, the outboard motor was found dumped on the shore of the lake. What? Well, who put it there? Well, that, Mr. Mason, is what we'd like you to find out. I didn't quite know how to put it to Cavan. Like McPhee, I had a feeling he'd laugh at me. However, McPhee had offered a large sum of money if I could induce one of my men to go down there again in the presence of members of the press. I secretly resolved to do the job myself if Cannon dismissed the whole thing as nonsense. All I could manage as he lounged into the office was... Cannon, have you had any any experience with monsters? Oh, plenty of times, Chief, but a civil tongue always pays off with that type of client. No, I mean real monsters. Denizens of the deep. Well, what do you think I am, a curb sitter on a skid row? We have a client, a Scotsman, who's suffering from hallucinations. He's prepared to pay a high price to have his psychological fears dispelled. A Scotsman? Boy, that must be some hallucination he's got. There's a man-made lake near Freezy Water on the Harfordshire Road that's claimed two skin divers' lives and a third conventional diver who had his air pipe cut. Freezy Water? That's, uh, that's a long way from Loch Ness. Mr. McPhee, that's the client, thinks there's dirty work in the muddy water. He wants one of us to dive there and do a double check. A double check for the fourth time. Okay, when do I dive? When can you do it? No time like the present. Anyway, who wants to make a dinner appointment with a man-eating monster? Okay, screw me down, Mac. That water looks inviting. Test for air. Air okay. Try the talkback phones, please, Mr. Cannon. One, two... Okay for talkback. Clear. 
I'll do a line filing check. Line coiled and checked. All set to go. Okay. Give me a fathom count and watch that airline. I never did take the drinking water. Hey, just a minute. I got something to take with me. Uh, can you hand me that uh, canvas bag, Mike? Uh, here it is. Uh, what have you got in there? Professor Quickhart's Peyton Monster Cure. Huh? It's a compressed air rifle, an underwater gun. Uh, tell me there's pike in this lake. Uh, I'm no piker, but I'm partial to fresh fish. Okay. Over I go. Here's the mark. One, two, three, four... All right there? Yeah, how's the airline? Tight. I've paid out a few hundred, Mr. Cannon, and never lost one yet. Yeah, all right. Mark? A 17, 18, 19. Uh, bottom. You check the lines, huh? 112 feet. Lines checked. What can you see? Uh, weed. They're not serious. I'm walking north. The bottom's full of ditches. I got a... I gotta climb. Lines are all right. Yeah. Silk's about six inches. The ground is hard underneath. Hey, there is a current. Small, but strong enough to roll flotsam. Runs, uh, west-southwest. That's the direction of the river. Could be. Hey, what? Huh? I know you don't. What is it, Cannon? What is it? Why, you lousy... Got him. Hey, Mike, take me up. Take me up fast. Engine! Stand by in a moment. Full speed. You can't get the bends at this depth. Give it all you've got. You are right, Cannon. Sure. Just keep heaving, boys. I only took one charge in the gun. What is it, McPhee? He's all right. He's breaking surface. Bring him inboard. Cut the engine. Hell, have you out here in a jiffy. Ah, there. Oh, blue sky. It's green down there. What did you see? Fish or fowl, that's the question. What was it, Cannon? Well, just something I saw and shot it. I hit it, too. A fish? Or a mammal. Know how you can find out? How? Take a look at that little patch that's floated to the surface. You can collect some and have it analyzed. It's blood. We were accused to discuss his underwater excursion until the blood sample was collected from the surface of the water and had been analyzed. Even then, he was vague. But discuss it, we did. We had no other alternative because the blood was human blood. You see, Chief, the lake bottom undulates all over the place. I guess it's that way on account of the dredges scooping out the sand. They took it right to the bottom and left the understrata exposed. Now, all the years, the weed has taken root and it grows up the sides of the ditches. So you can't tell whether there's a passage through or whether you're going to walk into a solid wall of rock behind the weed. It's a, it's a great place to play underwater hide-go-seek. But you knew you were being attacked. You must have seen your adversary. No, not too clearly. There was a whole wall of weed in front of me. Like I said, you can't tell if it's solid or not. He came out of one side of the wall where there must be a passage. I only saw him in time. Well, what did he look like? That's all we want to know. Come in. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Oh, hello, Mr. McPhee. Do come in. Um, have a chair. Thank you. Have you heard the report of the analyst? Yes. Uh, we know it was human blood. What can it mean? Well, that's what we're trying to determine. Cannon here was just relating his experience with the, well, whatever it was. Yeah, that's right. What was it, Mr. Cannon? It was a human. You got the report. But it didn't look like a human? 
Neither does any kid who dresses up for Halloween. What are you trying to say, Cameron? Look, Chief, I was in conventional diving gear. I only had a brief glimpse of the guy. If it was human. Well, it was human, all right. Didn't look human, but it was. I had to get hauled in on account of I had one shot in that gun. If he'd cut my airline, I'd have wound up like your last diver. But the next time, things are going to be different. The next time? Sure. You don't think I'm going to leave it there, do you? That rat tried to murder me. I don't like that. In fact, Mrs. Cannon's favorite little boy takes positive umbrage. You mean you're going down again? Check. But this time in a skin. And I'm taking a self-loading spring gun with me. It takes two people to play hide-go-seek. And in this game, only one wins. Well, whoever or whatever it is down there will be on guard the next time. Whoever it is has been on guard a long time. Ever since that first guy in a skin got drowned. He'll know the underwater terrain better than you. Yeah, I thought of that one, too. Right now, he's not feeling too good. I can't say for sure where I got him, but get him I did, and he lost blood. He'll be resting up for a while, I guess. So that gives me time to case that lake bed. So we'll, uh, we'll break even when we meet again. You've got a lot of courage. Thanks. Did you report to the chief constable, Mr. McPhee? Yeah, I did. And he reacted as I thought he would. In fact, he as good as said that was only trying to get some cheap publicity for the resort. So you'll really be on your own, Cannon. Well, that's the way I like it. If you clear up the mystery, Mr. Cannon, I'll add 500 pounds to your fee. No kidding. <laughs> well, what do you know? A game of touch for big money stakes. Better than a gambling dive. Cannon's pecker was up, and that's all there was to it. He insisted on operating alone and curtly refused my offer of help. He dived for three days in succession without mishap. And on the fourth day, after only an hour in the water... He packed his kit and returned to town in the office. For once, he seemed in a cheerful mood as he sauntered in, a hastily wrapped parcel under his arm. Hi, Chief. Great day for swimming. Oh, you're back early. Tired of searching for your will-o'-the-wisp? I found something else. What? Like I know why that guy was so anxious that nobody went moseying around his Davy Jones locker. Well, out with it. What did you find? You better ring your friend Chief Inspector Bottomley and get him round here right away. Oh, for heaven's sake, Cannon, come on. You, uh... You really want to see? Well, of course I do. Okay. There. Great Scott. Well, what is it? It's a human head. Female. Oh, wrap it up again. Sure. Uh, where did you find that? In the weeds. It was partly covered with silt. Run that current I told you about, the one that flowed west-southwest. Well, it got washed along by that. The heavy boots on the diving gear must have stirred up the mud and exposed it. It's my guess this guy, uh, whoever he is, has been trying for the past few weeks to locate it. But it's ghastly. And how? But that's not all. I found a, a small piece of cloth from a girl's dress, I think. Here, come over to the window and have a good look. All right. Now, take a look here. You see, it's uh, it's got a printed pattern. Yes. Yes, it is. Poplin, I guess. Well, that's a pretty cheap material these days. Do you think it came from the dead woman's clothes? I'm sure of it. Very clever, Mr. Cannon. What? Stay where you are. You too, Mr. Mason. Alston. <laughs> what are you doing here? Well, it's, uh, it's not a social call, not for that uh, Luger he's waving. Quite right, Mr. Cannon. But then you're always right, aren't you? No, no, I, uh, I make mistakes, like uh, not locking the door, or like not going to the police in the first place, or like missing your black heart with my spear gun. No, it wasn't me you shot at, Cannon. I'm far too long in the tooth to cavort around underwater. A harling. But he's well out of the way now. 
Does McPhee know about this? Oh, certainly not. McPhee is a man of impeccable character. Uh, then so am I. Uh, sometimes circumstances force us to unpleasant action. Like uh, the brutal murder of an innocent girl? Well, she wasn't so innocent. Oh, that's by the way. I'll take the piece of cloth, if you don't mind, and the parcel. Now you'll accompany me to my car. Drop dead. On the contrary, it's you who'll drop dead, Cannon. What does one more murder matter? Or two? We'd better do as he says, Cannon. Ah, that's sensible. The gun will be in my pocket, and I'll shoot if you make the slightest move to escape. How did you get past Miss Fairweather? With the aid of a little chloroform. Now, she'll suffer nothing more than a headache when she recovers, and she didn't see who her assailant was. Sorry. Oh, you're mad. Am I? My car's outside. Now, off you go. Uh, where do we go to? My car. And then? They say a murderer always revisits the scene of his crime. Let's put the theory into practice, shall we? Let me enlighten you on a few things. See? A peephole in the boathouse through to the south bank of the lake. I had a man sitting here, a crippled man, bent and walked so the movement was painful. A helpless man chained to my will through an unfortunate accident many years ago. His instructions were simple. When people arrived on the south bank, he would don his skin-diving suit and take to the water. Just a skin-diving suit, but painted in garish colors. Frightening colors, like a Montezuma warrior engaging battle with Hernan Cortez. You're insane, Alston. As mad as a hatter. Oh, don't you think so? Insane or not, my plan worked admirably. To waylay the curious underwater and eliminate them by a simple process of drowning. Neat. And the resultant fear in the minds of the stupid public kept the lake clear of the curious until I'd found what I'd lost. Except that Cannon found it for you. Yes, he did. Now, the two skin suits from our dear departed friends are in that corner over there. You'll kindly put them both on. Um, how come a cripple could swim like that, Austin? He was energetic, wasn't he? Fast as a snake, not like a cripple. He suffered from the bends, an accident many years ago when he practiced as a professional diver. That doesn't answer the question, Austin. Doesn't it? Oh, then I'll explain. If a man's diving at great depth, his body undergoes an enormous pressure change. When he's brought to the surface, he must be taken up slowly so that the change in pressure is gradual. If he comes up too fast, the poor fellow gets bubbles of nitrogen in his blood. He's then a cripple. However, if he returns to the same depth, his symptoms disappear and he's quite normal again. Yeah, that's, uh, that's right enough, Chief. As long as the man with the bend stays underwater at pressure, he's normal. The bubbles return when he comes to the surface. Can you imagine how a hopeless cripple would feel knowing that for a few hours he could feel normal and move without restraint? I never need worry about my diver. He'll always do what I say, or remain a miserable cripple. You see, I have the diving suit. You're a fiend. Yes, I am. Well, now that you're both dressed in skins, we'll go to the boat. What are you going to do? You'll see. Outside and into the boat. I think. Pleasant on the lake in the late afternoon, isn't it? <laughs> the 
There's no point in looking around, Mason. The Merry Lake Pleasure Resort is far from merry these days. Nobody comes here. Nobody at all. It's incredible how superstitious the public can be. Um, who was the girl, Austin? Hmm? Oh, a local working-class girl of no consequence. She, uh, she died. I was forced to hide her away. Where did you dispose of the body? Here and there. What you found, Cannon, was lost by accident. I had my man diving for two weeks searching before that idiot boy dropped his outboard motor right in the area where the search was being conducted. You won't get away with this, you know. Oh, but I will. It's well known that Cannon's been diving every day. You, Mason, you told McPhee that you'd like to dive yourself. Two more tragedies will be added to the mystery of Merry Lake, and no one will ever be the wiser. You see, I don't mind how much they investigate the lake bottom now. I found what I wanted. Well, the, the cripple, he'll choke. Never. He's only a danger to me under the water. And I never go into the water. In fact, I can't even swim. He can still talk on the surface. Yes, but he won't. It's the effort. And any great effort on his part is a strain on the heart. You see, he's not young anymore. Now, enough talk. I'll be back in the city by seven o'clock. I'm delivering a lecture to the Ichthyological Society. Ever seen one of these before? Yeah. What is it? It's a dart gun, land type. We use them to dope animals and inject serum to the lions at the zoo. That's right, Cannon. A poison dart. But a poison that'll only put you to sleep. The water will do the rest when I drop your bodies overboard. <laughs> you've, uh, you've got it all figured out, haven't you, Austin? Yeah. Well, gentlemen, this is... Oh, oh. What happened, Cannon? The cripple. He's got a ulcer. Come on, swim back to the boat. Where, where is he, Cannon? Oh, he's somewhere in the deep, Chief. He won't let go of Austin. Poetic justice. Yeah. That effort must have cost the cripple every reserve of stamina he had. But I guess I'd say neither of them will surface alive. Poor devil. Yeah. Good devil. But maybe it's as well, Chief. At least he's free at last. Both bodies were washed ashore the following day. The murder of the unfortunate girl made headlines throughout the country, but no connection was made between the cripple and the insane Alston. We informed McPhee as to what had happened, but as he rightly said... What's the point of telling about the inquest? They'd laugh at you. The last I heard of McPhee, he was prospecting for oil in the Sahara Desert. It seemed he couldn't get far enough away from water. <laughs> <laughs>